Hey, this is Lewis Johnson taking my love of sports into the world of esports with my co-host Kyle Airy, and we're breaking down what's happening in the esports industry. We're talking with great guests, influencers, and most importantly, we want to talk to you. So welcome to All In with Esports. All right, everybody. Hey, welcome back. Once again, we are all in with esports, of course. And look, look who's back. Kyle Airy is back. Man, where have you been? I've missed you for multiple episodes. It's great to have you back in the house. What's going on? Man, I'm here. I'm, I'm ready to go. I like see. I see. I see. Hey, so the sweatshirt, what do you, what do you got going there? What are you rocking today? Dude, I, I got to rock the Chiefs hoodie defending uh, Super Bowl champs. Okay. Now, are you like a newbie? You a bandwagon dude? Or you been been there for a while? No. Nah, nah, so I've been a fan for you know, pretty much since I was in high school. And so back then we're talking like they had some good years, but for the most part, a lot of seven and nine records, two and 14. So I've, I've been there for a minute. So okay, I'm just, I'm just checking out your answer to see if it's authentic or not, but I think it's the real deal. Okay. So you're not new at it. All right, good. Yeah. Nah. Because they're unbelievable, but you know, we're not talking NFL here. We're talking esports, which is something we love. And Kyle, it's great to have you back. And for those of you who are, are tuning into this episode, of course, we've got a lot of great new things happening at Map Esports Network. So I'm going to remind you now and remind you again afterwards to make sure you check out these sites, esportsfuturi.com, esportsfuturi, F-U-T-U-R-I.com. Get on there and see what's happening. Well, on Twitter, you can get us at twitter.com forward slash esportsmap. And then on Facebook, it's uh, Future of Esports. You can find all of it there. We've got lots of great links, lots of good things happening here with our new Power Players League. And, and Kyle, I know you've been busy with all that kind of mm-hmm. great stuff. But uh, today, we're going to have a fun conversation with a guy that, Kyle, you met, I know, and someone else on our team met. And I had an awesome discussion with him uh, this week about what he's doing in the world of esports. And uh, we're going to talk about everything. We're going to talk esports. We're going to talk about the journey, the dream, tacos, everything. So <laughs> let's welcome in from Shot Call, Justin Vargas. Justin, how are you today? I'm doing well. How are y'all? We're great, man. We're great. I can't wait to talk about all these things. Kyle, you and Justin met and, and you actually introduced him to me so we could do this. So how did you guys meet? I remember meeting Justin like, man, Justin's like a, a worldwide speaker. I mean, where where is this guy? Not a, so... I think the first time I just I saw you speak was at one of those in-game leader conferences that they have at the Eastport Stadium here in Arlington. And I think just afterwards, just it might, I think it was in a group setting, just kind of got to talk to you for a little bit. And yeah, we just kind of reconnected just here recently. And yeah, I just wanted to get him on because he's got a lot of wealth of experience in the esports space. And He's a, he's a fun guy to talk to as so we'll, we'll find out. No question. So Justin, uh, just in general, man, how you doing and what's your day like and what's your week like and what's in general, the world of esports like for you right now, before we get into some of these specifics. I will say I'm glad that the world of esports is so different from how I am right now because I am cold sneezing. <laughs> my yeah. allergies are rough yeah, yeah. <laughs> in contrast to the world of esports. Uh, it's a wild place. It's very hot right now. And like many other people, I'm just humbled and and really grateful to be a part of this real cultural defining era, I think, that we're in, especially as it opens the gates for competition worldwide. 
Yeah, it's really wild because listen, I have been completely open here on this platform that this is all brand new to me. And I've, you know, lived in the traditional sports world with track and field, college football, basketball. And I've just been getting this unbelievable um, <clears throat> amount of information, a wealth of knowledge and meeting great people like Kyle, you and other people on our team. This is unbelievable as to what's happening in the world of esports. And your story is really cool within this world. You were telling me when we spoke that you were a player first. And I think you said Smash was your first game. That's the yeah. one you loved. And what got you connected to Smash? Man, for that story, we got to go way back, man. <laughs> Let's go back there. I'm, I'm talking Nintendo 64 era, right? Yeah, that man. was the first console that I had ever had. Oh, My family had just come from India, and I was like the, the first, I guess, American in our family, quote unquote. Wow. And as a result, we didn't really have a, a ton of spending money, but my folks were, were really gracious enough to, to pick up a Nintendo 64 for me. And as long as I got straight A's, I'd get one game at the end of the school year, it may be one game for Christmas. So wow. we, we had some cousins who were in Seattle who had been in America a little longer than, than our family who were a little bit better off. And it felt like they always had the next hot thing, right? Yeah. They had the next hot game. So we'd go over there, we'd find a game, we'd play it with them during spring break, and then we'd focus really hard in school and, and get the A's so that whenever the semester ended and whenever the year ended, we'd be able to go to the blockbuster and pick up like a used copy or something and, and go home. <laughs> That's how old this story is. We're talking about companies that no longer exist anymore, but I digress. Right, because Blockbuster doesn't exist anymore. I remember it, going there with our kids, right? Yeah. To buy games and, and movies and stuff. Yeah. Kyle, you, did you ever go to a Blockbuster? Oh, oh, big shout out to Blockbuster. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, like, I'll tell you what, Friday night, like people like the people don't know like that was the spot to be at you're yeah, lucky to yeah. get your favorite game or favorite movie just because it was yeah. always it was always popping so that's how long kyle's been a chiefs fan for since blockbuster <laughs> was around all right Amen. all right and, and he's good. legit then if he's been there that long you're, you're, you're yeah. legit absolutely that's cool so i mean yeah. for all of the people who are, who are listening if they can't tell kyle justin can talk he can speak he's got the gift <laughs> of gab and you had a pretty amazing uh, thing happen to you you called it by sheer luck that uh, you got involved with commentating the game. Yeah. So first of all, you're a player, you love the game, and then you had a friend you knew and somebody moved. And it's just take us through that, how you actually went from playing the game to understanding there were actually commentators in the games yeah. to somehow having a tryout and becoming one. I mean, it's crazy. <laughs> it's it's wild. I mean, like a lot of people, whenever it came to the competitive side first, it was, okay, can I beat my cousins? Can I beat the kids in the neighborhood, can I beat pretty much anybody that I come across, right? You kind yeah. of get to that point. And then beyond that, there's a hunger to learn like what else is out there. And upon doing so is kind of how I stumbled upon what was at the time considered the Super Bowl of Smash Brothers, right? And it was the best players in the world all in one venue competing at a top level, absolutely astounding and, and beautiful to watch. But what was the thing that really blew me away was this was the first time I heard Smash with a play-by-play -play and color commentator. Mm. I never even imagined that that was a thing that could happen. And so as I started getting more competitive and more deeply involved within the scene, I was trying to figure out opportunities where maybe I myself could step onto the mic. I never thought I'd have a chance. I just knew that I had a passion for, for gaming and I just wanted to share it with as many people as I possibly could. And commentary seemed like a, a neat option. Yeah. And it worked out so favorably that 
the largest smash broadcasting company in the South had relocated to a new venue that was about five minutes from where I was living at the time. And I had an in with a guy named Sean Horn, who was a commentator as well as one of the heads of this broadcast company. And so we got connected, we started talking and I we, we talked a bit about commentary and competing and all that. And at the end of that conversation over Facebook, he said, Hey man, you seem like a cool dude. Why don't you swing by the studio sometime? Well, I'll, I'll, I'll hear what you have to say. And who knows, maybe if you're lucky, I'll put you on for a game or two. So I had showed up with this friend that I had made just a couple weeks earlier. We went to the venue. I thought that I would, maybe if I was lucky, get one game and, and that's it. They, they pulled me off the stage and be like, we've heard enough of this. We, we, we can't deal with anymore, but they actually really liked me. And so the first time I ever casted was three hours straight. I ended up closing out the night for them. Wow. Um, and from there, it just was nonstop. I, I started off just as uh, doing it for free. Eventually got uh, hired by them to be their go-to commentator along with that friend of mine. From there, it was my first local into my first regional, into my first national tournament, into my first international event. And beyond that, I ended up going away from just Smash to actually covering a dozen different titles for a multitude of companies, including Activision, Blizzard, and the Pokemon company. So yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's been a wild journey for sure. Maybe not quite as, as well-traveled as, as Lewis whenever it comes to being on the mic. I don't have that many frequent my, my, uh, flyer miles on my commentary card, but still pretty happy. a good chance you might at some point when, <laughs> when COVID lightens up because... These tournaments that we'll be having, Kyle will be helping to put together uh, with our, our group, the Power Players mm-hmm. League. Of course, things happening in Arlington at that big facility and in who knows where else. It is That is just an awesome dream. And I think it is really cool. I hope that some of the younger players who think about esports as a potential livelihood can hear your story and think, look, if it could happen to Justin, maybe by some strange or freak way it might, I might get a shot at it. I mean, that'd be pretty cool. Kyle, don't you think so? Oh, yeah, absolutely. It's cool. Like, I think part of the thing is you just showed up and you just got that opportunity and you got that shot and good things happen. And it seems like you've been riding that ever since. So, no, I think that's awesome, man. Yeah, there's there's a lot of power, I think, in this space to just showing up and even more power if you're able to just ask, what can I do to help? Yeah, um, yeah. I, I, I amen, think yeah, that's amen to that. powerful, powerful. I, I agree sure. with that so much because I know in my career in television, I always believed when I was still running track and field and I knew I wanted to be in TV around it. I didn't really know doing what behind the scenes. I didn't know. But I always figured that when I was in the off season, if it was a Saturday, I was never going to get ahead in the business by watching college football or something on TV. I needed to be at an event doing something. And what you said was the, the key is showing up, just show up and keep showing up and keep showing up until somebody goes, what do you want? And <laughs> you know what, my dream is to do X, Y, Z. And then you, when you, you get a chance to do a great job with menial things like bringing sodas and buying batteries. And I used to do that at the Rose Bowl. I'd go and buy uh-huh. stuff and pick up announcers and pick up food and it would just, you, just be on point. And finally, at some point goes, guys, sharp on point. What do you want to do? I said, well, my dream is to be in the business. And when you're around it, you get to see how people actually are doing what they do, which makes it more believable. And you see that we or you when you do your thing or Kyle, we're all human. We make mistakes. We somehow figure out how to clean it up and keep moving. So you realize it, it might be possible. So you said the thing, show up and, and try to be of help. That's for sure. So. I'm assuming you've done a lot of games now, and and this led you, I guess, to your next experience at DreamHack, which you said was just really a wild experience in that esports space. 
and really touched on multiple communities. What was it about Dream DreamHack that you called like one of the best jobs you ever had? Yeah, well, there's a, there's so much to it. If we have to make it really simple, it all came down to the people that I was with. I was really lucky to work for a small but hyper-passionate team of people who were all so excellent at what they did. I mean, there's a it, it, it's one of those things where, where you know, as someone like it, it felt great to be in this room of people who knew how to have a good time, knew how to work hard and, and knew how to call things like they were, especially when it came to the industry as a whole. And so I was able to learn a lot, take on a lot of really neat projects whenever I was uh, with them and really meet a ton of people. DreamHack in regards to the entire esports event ecosystem really is so unique because most gaming and esports events at the end of the day there's one main stage and every single person in there is there for that one main stage where there's usually just one game and dreamhack what's unique about it is that it's publisher and game agnostic so instead of having just one main stage and one main game that's highlighted at a dreamhack festival there's actually each show has anywhere from 7 to 13 main stages, each with its own game or genre of games being displayed. And that lets you have this really weird mishmash, like to the point where you'll sit down and you'll see a Rocket League tournament that's like an invitational with 16 of the best teams competing for a prize pool of $100,000. And then right next oh. to it is a much more grassroots smash event, right? Mm -hmm. and, and, and for me, the, the powerful element of that was the ability to showcase to people as a whole, like, hey, esports at the end of the day, it's not just League of Legends, right? It's not just Counter-Strike. There is this vast ecosystem that people aren't even talking about, but still has a ton of passionate players, a passionate fan base as well, and a ton of opportunity for folks to get in on at the ground floor and to yeah. be able to deliver that to so many different groups of people in all the different cities that we would do our events was honestly such a treat. Easily the best experience I've ever had in my career. Yeah, that that, that sounds pretty awesome. Yeah, and I was gonna say just like, it, it, I think everybody has to go to DreamHack at least once. I mean, just to kind of see what it's all about. I mean, you're right. I remember seeing like a Rocket League event going on with thousands of people watching and in someone scores a goal and it's they're actually at a sporting event like the <laughs> crowd everything and then you look right behind there's streamers and over there there's a speed run competition over there i mean it, it's just something really cool so yeah. i mean i can only imagine working on it and organizing <laughs> i mean i'm sure that was a beast in itself and everything yeah i was i was definitely happy that i got to work in the marketing side of things because don't get me wrong whenever uh you're preparing for the event especially like the lead up to it gets very intense from a workflow standpoint right because you got to make sure mm -hmm. that all your final campaigns are all looking really nice and you're there's so many last minute fires to take care of but then at the event itself because you're just a marketing person right like technically all you have to do is have a great time and give everybody else fomo for not coming right like that's <laughs> kind of what it, what it turns out to of course i try, i, I would have tried to help out too with whatever i could whenever i was there but yeah i mean it, it, it's an awesome experience and and the fact that you can go to dreamhack for say something like speedrunning because that's what you're really passionate about and then kind of get sucked in by the crowd of people that are losing their minds at an insane goal that happens in Rocket League. I mean, that leads to powerful connective elements 
within mm-hmm. this community, right? And even outside of the community as well. And I think that as a whole, gaming and discoverability is is such an important factor. And and being part of that team let me really per, like push that discoverability to so many different people. So awesome. Lewis Johnson, Kyle Larry, another edition of All In with Esports, and we're visiting with Justin Vargas. And there was something else you said about that experience that I thought was really important. And I think I've learned this so far in my early, my just short time in the esports community. And it was the willingness to call BS. In other words, you, you, you can't BS this community. People need to, they need to know you're authentic, that you are in the industry for the right reason. And I think that's really great for all of us in this team to really move ahead with authenticity and to try to do things the right way. And you talked about that and you also talked about toxic positivity. In other words, we need to keep it real. So what, what, why did you bring those two things up and why were they important? Do you think they're important to anyone on this journey in esports? Yeah, it's a tough thing to, to talk about, yeah, but I feel like it's important nonetheless, right? Yeah. Right now is an incredible time to be in the esports space. It's There's a ton of opportunity. I, I think that some people like to say that we're still in the first quarter. I'd like to think that maybe the coin flip has happened. Wow, right? that early like, in, in yes. the development of this industry? 100%, wow. 100%. Wow. Globally. Uh, yes, but with that, there's the other side of that coin, right? Where I feel like there are, there's a situation now where there's a ton of people who are looking at it, who aren't indoctrinated into the scene and want to get in. And unfortunately, it feels like there's a lot of vultures kind of on the other side that a lot of bad faith actors who are mm. really eager to say whatever it takes to cut a check one time. And that's really not what I'm about at all. For me, especially as we're thinking about non-endemic brands jumping into the space. I don't care if they sign for the first time. That's that's a good win. Don't get me wrong. But what really gets me fired up and gets me excited is when they re-sign and they re-sign for not just year two, but year five. Yeah. That's really important to me at the end of the day. I think that because it's so early on, it really is important to build really good rapport with a ton of folks and just be honest about what's working in the space what the current challenges are and how an industry or a company that's looking to approach the space can best find success based on those parameters. Because if you push it as, hey, we're hitting this many people and this is our, our demo and just so- give us a blank check and you'll be taken care of, it, it, it's not going to work out. When it comes to gamers in particular, one thing that gamers have, in addition to a, a ton of loyalty, is a very high BS meter. Right. So if you try to approach things uh, in the gaming space in a way that is completely inauthentic, then you're going to have a really bad time uh, because (laughs) the things that people are excited to invest in the gaming space on the fact that gamers are hyper connected and very vocal, especially socially, that bites both ways. So if you have a bad campaign, you're going to know about it. And the people that you were hoping to leave a positive impression on are going to have quite the opposite effect where now there's going to be a strong cascade of negative buzz around your brand as a whole as a result of that. So Yeah, and that's like a yeah. death sentence, huh, Kyle. I mean, if you're out there oh, yeah. in sales and you're trying to get people to get involved. And of course, the endemic brands is one thing, but those companies that are outside the space that you're trying to attract. And like he says, Justin says, not just for one one cycle, but for five years. I mean, that's a big challenge, right? Yeah, like, and I think a lot of companies, they might see the numbers where they see this very young audience, like in gaming and esports, and they want to be a part of that. And 
it's, it's a very cool thing to be a part of, but no, Justin's right. I mean, they can smell BS from a mile away. And if you do it right, it can be awesome if you do it the right way. But we've seen it to where it's not so great. Like I just think of a few years ago with Star Wars Battlefront 2, like <laughs> where with EA, where that, that's a whole nother thing. But like with their microtransactions, like that just totally bit them in the butt. And from the get-go, that game just didn't get off the ground. So it can really, they can smell BS from the get-go. So it, it did have a good redemption arc though. I will it say. It was a great game. I yeah. love that game. And if we have to talk about brands actually outside of the gaming space, approaching the gaming and esports space for the first time, getting it wrong and then getting it right. For me, yeah. what comes to mind immediately would be Mercedes-Benz. Uh, they were partnered, I believe, with ESL on a Dota event as one of their primary sponsors and that gave them a ton of ad time and all the ads that they ran all basically had a tagline that was like grow up get a job start a family you know yeah yeah you're 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 hitting people in the face like yo really yeah yeah unsurprisingly there was a ton of backlash around that it had a a lot of negative buzz the the splash that they were hoping for was definitely the inverse and you had Mercedes with a lot of egg on their face as a result of it. Mm. But instead of saying, that's it, we're done. We're walking away from gaming and esports. Like we shot our shot. They, they took it to heart. They said, okay, we ran an ad that maybe makes sense to play during the Super Bowl. But right. what do we do? How can we retailer this to really fit the Dota audience instead? So they completely reshot the commercial. They used some of the words as a juxtaposition with actual scenes from Dota professionals, Dota events, things like that. And they were able to have a really targeted gaming focused ad that was incredible. The night and day difference from that coupled with the rebound effect that that demo had upon seeing that Mercedes listened to their feedback and then responded with something really positive and really cool was resounding. And Again, like it's all about doing that due diligence. I I love stories like that because it again shows like there is room for a a, a redemption arc, if you will. Yeah, Um, and and it's not, and you you got to believe that at Mercedes Benz, there are a lot of smart people in the room, right? But sometimes I don't care who you are, where you are. Sometimes your smarts will get in front of will allow ego to get in front of smarts where you're not willing to to accept something and then make an adjustment. Sounds like they did that. And you talked about not being the smartest guy in the room before you made your move to shot call. But what was it about being around smarter people that challenged you to to be even more sharp and to continue to stay hungry in in what you were doing before you left? yeah, I mean, it's it's the same, Lewis, as whenever you were talking about just being in the room with professional broadcasters and how yeah. you had that insight and that clairvoyance in regards to the work ethic and what it took to be successful within the space. I mean, th- that's what it was for me, too, whenever I was surrounded by my peers at DreamHack, because, I mean, we were such a small team. The NA team, when I joined, I was I came on as fourth or fifth full-time employee and we had seven contractors and that would be it for the NA team was just that tiny team. And so everybody Mm. had to pull their weight to a very considerable amount. And, and just being in, uh, in that room, in that situation, it was almost like growing by diffusion because they were all at such a high level. I had to naturally raise myself to that level Mm -hmm. or not, be the value valued contributing factor that that team needed me to be at the end of the day in order to do great things uh, with that team. Right. Okay. It, it's again, can't say enough great 
things about them. I definitely still look very fondly upon my time with, with those folks. Right. And so all of that led you to uh, Shot Call, which you started in October of 20, 2020 this year, I guess it is. Yeah. As yeah. a business development manager. So give us a sense of what's happening at Shot Call. What should we be, we be looking for and, and what are you doing there? Yeah, there's a ton of energy around Shot Call right now. We were actually featured yesterday on a ton of publications, including TechCrunch, for having a successful set of funding. We were able to to raise some good money, and it really is able to empower our vision at the end of the day. It's a platform and a marketplace that allows for really deep connections between content creators, brands, tournament organizers, esports teams, etc., and the communities that they're really looking to connect to, right? We believe that at the end of the day, when you're talking about marketing as a whole, there's been for a while with the era of the internet, it was all about width of impressions, width of impressions, width of impressions, right? What's the mm-hmm. most amount of people we could reach with an mm-hmm. ad? Well, our platform is unique in the sense that we're kind of seeing where marketing is going, where it's not now just about width because everybody plays the width game, right? We're really curious about trying to make it so that we can create what I would call depth of impressions, right? What is the most impactful thing you can do for a group, of, for one person, for a small group of people, for a community as a whole that takes them from being just passive fans and actually turns them into evangelists for your brand as a whole? Yeah. Um, that's the really exciting thing that that shot call allows you to do, right? On, on its surface, it's really a platform that allows a fan to play games with their favorite player, their favorite content creator, their favorite athlete, their favorite celebrity. But again, it's so much more than that. It really is a platform for deep human connection and facilitating that sort of evangelism within communities. Yeah, Kyle, I know you were excited about Shot Call because when you told me about Justin, you were like, yo, we got to get this guy on because what they're doing is is really great stuff. Yeah, no, hey, and congrats again on that round of funding, man. Thank that, you. That's, that's yeah, exciting. absolutely. So, very cool. No, yeah, and I know we've got to like kind of check, take a look at Shot Call and it's got a lot of really cool things that I think make it different than a lot of other, whether it's scheduling, stuff like that and everything. But no, I think building that community for your brand, I mean, is huge and everything. And, and shock all seems to make it pretty, pretty simple and pretty straightforward. Share with everybody, Justin, one of your uh, things you guys did with the uh, Major League Soccer team in Seattle, the Sounders and and their breast cancer awareness efforts. Uh, that was a really, really neat event. That seems like something that you could be proud of as well. Yeah. So so that was actually a, a pretty cool event. It was uh, the team got selected for, for tech stars in Seattle. And so they were given some interesting opportunities and just so happened to be connected with some players for the Sounders. Now, the the players themselves, they were just like, hey, we would love, we see gaming's growing. We don't really understand it completely, but we want to get involved and see if we can do something that would be a powerful force for change. So it was really simple. They got set up on the platform. They just told their audience, hey, we're raising money to, to fight cancer. And if you would like to uh, join us, feel free to, to buy a session. It goes to charity. And they were able to raise a ton of money as a result of that. Again, these are these are professional athletes who they're they're not super dialed in. It's not like they have Twitch accounts and things like that, right? But despite that, they're able to use our platform in a really easy way to do a ton of good for for such a nice cause as well. And again, it just came back to that simple idea on trying to figure out ways where you can take the content creator in this case, or the athlete in this case, 
take the fan and try to find a way to put them in a room together for good. Yeah, and for to at the same time give the fan a really cool experience that they're able to cherish for the rest of their lives, and for the athlete in this case, raise a ton of money for a cause that they believe in. Yeah, that that that's really great, and I think that's one of our one of our many challenges that I think are going to be part of the core and the fabric of Mappy Sports uh, Network and the Esports Future Eye Network and the podcast and, and all the I'm sorry and the Power Players League is 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 how we connect to communities, right? And how do we give communities a chance to come together and not just play a game, but also see the opportunities for STEM and STEAM and being able to get the educational side things in. But then that communication, man. And and I think it's one of the things, again, that keeps attracting me to what we're doing here is just this global gaming idea coming from the Olympic world or what have you. I mean, I just love this, this element of it. And we were talking about, you said that gaming is like one of those universal languages that people speak and how we can become connected. And we're talking communities to breast cancer awareness opportunities to raise money to domestic, national and global events. I mean, what do you see in terms of just the global gaming opportunities in terms of connecting humankind together in peaceful, fun, economically, potentially powerful ways? Yeah, for me, Gaming is just so incredible in that way that you just mentioned, Lewis, right? I really do feel like it is a universal language because the reality is that when I sit down at the sticks next to somebody and we pick our characters and that game is booting up and it's loading, right? In that moment, who who you are, your 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 the the life that you came from, your your political beliefs, your entire background, that all sort of fades away, right? Mm -hmm. Things that normally would be things that people tend to be very divisive over, that all kind of disappears for a second. And what happens is that you have these very pure moments where you just have two individuals that are united by the fact that they have this shared love of this game, right? It's the same kind of, 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 I think, love that exists whenever you go to a sporting event, right? Yeah, and your team scores a touchdown, and that person next to you, right? You don't even know them, but you give a give them a hug or a high five because you're just so elated by it, right? Gaming has that same connective potential, right? It has that exact same connective potential, and for me, the the fact that it's done through a digital medium and it's also done through the internet allows this level of connectivity that I think really exceeds anything that's come before it. That's what gets me honestly so excited about it, Lewis, is the fact that I think about, especially places where like my parents came from, right? In India, you have a place where there's so many different languages, so many different backgrounds, so many different political parties, so many different religions, a, a ton of strife within those areas. But to think that gaming could be a conduit for connection, right? Among so much di- dis- division is so beautiful. And mm. so that's really what what one of my big goals is, is trying to figure out, like, how can we continue to facilitate and how can we continue to grow gaming as that style of conduit for powerful human connection? Yeah, I mean... That's just incredible. And Kyle, I think about the the challenges we have week to week, or I should say you guys in the sales side or what have you day to day, week to week. But you think about those challenges versus this global opportunity 
and the challenges of trying to bring people together. You, Justin, you mentioned India. I, I have to ask you, what's happening in the world of gaming in India? What do you know about that? Man, India is actually very interesting from, from a gaming and esports perspective, right? I'd like to, it was something that I that we we said a lot whenever I was at DreamHack, right? You know, what works at, at DreamHack Dallas might not work in Atlanta and might not work in Anaheim. You have to mm-hmm. understand that gaming is not a copy-paste thing. You can't just do something that works in one place and expect it to work everywhere. You have to be really tailored and really focused around what the demos look like based on the areas that you're trying to get into. Right. And so for India, as you can imagine, there, there really isn't a multitude of, of 38 of RTX 3080s floating around, right? It's not like they have the latest and greatest whenever it comes to these monstrous rigs that seem pretty common among a ton of streamers that are here in NA, right? Yeah. But what India does have is among the most, if not the most amount of mobile devices, with maybe the exception of China, of anywhere on the planet, right? It is a ludicrous amount of mobile connection. And as a result of that, while maybe some games like League of Legends might not be quite as popular in India the way that they are stateside in, in Korea, etc., PUBG Mobile, on the other hand, is ludicrously popular there, right? I What's remember the name seeing- of it again? PUBG, uh, PUBG, PUBG, yeah, so PUBG, PUBG but mobile, PUBG okay. mobile, yeah, okay. yeah. So, so I remember seeing some footage of uh, a tournament. It wasn't actually of the tournament itself. It wasn't any gameplay or anything like that. What sold me was the fact that this tournament hadn't even opened yet, and the line to get into the building itself rivaled any line that I have ever seen in the United States for anything. Oh my gosh, really? It was insane. And again, this is one area, right? When people think about esports, India is not a, a place that comes to their mind immediately. It's not even the fifth thing, fifth place that comes to their mind, right? Right. Um, but the fact that despite that, there is so much energy for gaming and esports there, again, just proves gaming is such a powerful conduit for that kind of connection. Kyle, man, when I hear this, I'm so inspired. And, and Justin, your energy is just so authentic and real. I mean, boy, it's just unbelievable. I mean, it is just unbelievable. Kyle, what else do you want to ask him about before we start talking about food? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, who doesn't love food? Oh, yeah. Nah, no, nah, I think you're right, man. Like when it comes to worldwide, just it doesn't, it doesn't matter the game. Or the place gaming, it, it really does unite people just in that way that not a lot of other things can and everything. So now that yeah. that's really cool. So yeah. I'm I'm really just curious, like what what are some of those differences that when you're planning an event like that versus like you said, like Anaheim or I know they have Dream Hacks and in, in, in Spain and and other parts of yeah. the world. Well, what are what are some of those differences? I'm just kind of curious about that. Yeah, again, it's it's all really focused around sort of the history and, and, and a bit of the legacy and what the gaming landscape looks like, depending on the place where you're trying to plan some sort of activation or event, right? So I'll, I'll, I'll take a really simple example using DreamHack Dallas and DreamHack Atlanta as the two juxtaposing points, right? You think naturally they're both in the United States. Uh, you could probably do the same event and be fine in both cases, right? But mm-hmm. that couldn't be further from the truth, right? In Dallas... Dallas, we are consistently able to have an absolutely massive land. In fact, of all of the DreamHack stops in North America, Dallas is consistently the largest BYOC event that we do, period. 
And the reason for that is because of the legacy that exists within North Texas around land culture. In particular, QuakeCon has been there for for so long, right? Yeah. Uh, you know, it's it is at the moment the largest land in North America. I believe the largest land in the Western Hemisphere, right? And there's so much texture and and history behind that that there's a, already like a community right there that is frothing at the mouth for another large land centric event, right? Now, you contrast that with Atlanta, for instance, right? Demographically and things like that, Atlanta is on the come up whenever it comes to gaming and streaming culture and stuff like that. But they haven't really had that strong LAN event to be an anchor point for them for two decades plus the way that QuakeCon has, right? But what they do have in contrast to that is such a rich history with the fighting game space. So while Atlanta might be the smaller of the land events or the land components that a DreamHack festival might do in North America, it consistently has the largest fighting game turnout. And as a result of that, a DreamHack event could be a final qualifier for the Capcom Cup, the world finals for Brawlhalla, right? So many different events that are all really linked towards the fighting game scene. And again, that that's what it comes down to is just doing that due diligence, understanding the history. But most importantly, and I cannot stress this enough, talking to the people that are actually there so that you can have really keen insight on how to best reach the communities that already exist. It's much better, I think, to instead of convincing so many people to try your event, trying to figure out ways to make your event the best event possible for them. That is a way easier sell because then you're working directly with those communities. And because they feel like they have a sense of ownership within those communities, they're not only more likely to come out, but more importantly, they're more likely to evangelize your brand and your event as a whole. Wow. Evangelize your brand. I've heard that multiple times from you. That is so cool. It's important. Yeah. yeah. Get people to buy in and really believe it and love it and promote it. And yeah. And live it. Exactly. That's awesome. Well, speaking of living. So after we had this great conversation uh, on the phone and the one now, I ask you about what do you like to do for fun? And uh, you brought up maybe some camping or things like that. And then we slid into food and you told me (laughs) that you told me that you love finding these great off the wall, off the market taco spots, right? Oh yeah. Oh, and yeah. so we, uh, you sent me an email on, on some of those places. I've looked them up. I want to tell you that tonight, my wife and I are going to go and visit the Elcom taco. Is that it? Elcome? El- nice. El- taco. We're yeah, going tonight. Yeah. Awesome. We're going to have some of that. I'll shoot some pictures. And yeah. w- what is it about tacos that, that gets you, man? What do you like about them? Dude, I love tacos because of the simplicity and the complexity within a taco itself, right? Mm-hmm. Tacos are super cool because you could make them as traditional as you want, right? Super simple meat, some onions and cilantro, maybe uh, some kind of uh, salsa on top of that, perhaps. And that could be it. And it could be incredible with just that. Or you yeah. can go totally off the walls and do something really creative. One of the, man, I'm blanking right now, but my wife and I stumbled upon this taco place whenever we were in Cabo before the pandemic. And this was off the beaten path a little bit. We we, we walked in there expecting to have a super traditional taco, but they themselves were like, okay, well, how can we like twist the taco to a degree and, and make it interesting and maybe unexpected, but still appease some of the traditionalists. And so they had like 
tacos with a specific kind of flour from a specific region of Mexico that made this so that the shell itself was purple oh. with all sorts of crazy stuff, right? All sorts of really neat stuff. But yeah, for, for me, tacos themselves are just something that I think that pretty much everybody can agree is a good thing in the world. Like naturally just a good thing. I've never seen somebody eat a taco and be angry before. Like think about it. When have you ever seen somebody like eat a taco and be actually (laughs) aggravated about something, right? People are pretty calm. Now they're not so calm before they get the taco, but afterwards everybody's usually pretty calm. We've never, Um, we've seen people fighting over chicken sandwiches, but we've never seen that over tacos. People are usually at peace and enjoying themselves, right? Well, as long as they've had the taco first, right? I don't know. I I, I might start swinging if I can't get some of these tacos. Okay. Don't, don't, don't start with me. Uh, But yeah. uh, you don't need silverware. You can just pick it up, eat it. I yeah. Mean, oh, yeah. Well, it's not affordable. You know. oh, yeah. yeah. That's awesome. That is and awesome. And there's, there's so many ways to do it, man. There's so many ways to do it. You can, I'm not a, a taco snob where it's I, I want the super pure thing and nothing else. I'm totally yeah. fine to hit up a Torchies and have a great time. Yeah. Just as likely to go to a, a gas station at 3 a.m. And, and try my luck and see what happens there. But yeah, tacos, dude. You just can never go wrong with a taco. I love it. I love it. There's I some mean, gems in some of those 3 a.m. gas stations. There, there's some yes. hidden gems sprinkled in there. Oh, yeah. yeah. There, uh, there's there's one down the street from us that we always turn by at the gas station and we're like, nah, we're probably not going in there. But I think we might based on this conversation. My, Man, fa- my awesome. personal favorite 3 a.m. taco in yeah. DFW has to be El Taco Asa. It was also known as Friendly's Grocery for a while. Right. Uh, but that place is it's it is a unicorn, right? You have to brush up on your Spanish before you go there because uh, you, you got to be able to give at least part of the order in Spanish. And it's super traditional. But somehow this is what makes it a unicorn. They take credit cards, which oh, is just okay. so helpful sometimes. <laughs> Usually cash. Yeah, most yeah. of it is cash only. But these these folks, they take the credit cards. But it's but it's awesome. It's, What's the it's name awesome. of it again? Uh, El Taco Asa. El Taco Asa, is that in Dallas or what? Yes, yes, yeah. Okay, I'm gonna look that one up. It's really good. Yeah, list, so I've got, they got a some. They got some heat on those tacos too, which is great because I'm kind I'm of a cool spice king. But now, see, that's what I can't do. <laughs> I can't do the real spicy stuff. My wife loves that. My mm-hmm. sons love that. But so El Come, and then of course the the mezcal speakeasy, which is right next to that. Right next to it, yeah. I'm gonna, yeah. I'm gonna check that out, and then, and then uh, if you want, like uh, what I would call it's a it's as far as traditional tacos goes, it's a little bit pricier than most, but definitely worth it. Chilango tacos yeah uh that spot is incredible they've been okay. around for maybe a year now but the the quality of taco i haven't had a taco that good since mexico awesome that good yeah that's awesome on the yelp we don't need yelp man we got justin i mean he's going <laughs> to say, hey, he's yeah man look oh, passionate man. about Esports and taco, all the same energies. I mean, that is just so incredible. <laughs> so, Justin, let's 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 agree on two things here. Okay, all right? go for it. And they both involve a trip, short right. and long. The first one is we have to meet either me and you or your wife and my wife for tacos somewhere in Dallas. Definitely. All right. In the next couple of weeks, we'll pop a picture and we'll put it up on our Map Esports uh, website somewhere and say, oh, hey, yeah. we, you know, <laughs> the conversation continued. And the second one is. If ever you decide to make a trip to India to make an effort within the esports world and do something or have an activation, I want to come too, because what I want to do is is document the trip and do a feature on it. I was recently in Paris in September to do a feature on some of the esports locations there. We're still editing that, but I would love to go back to India once COVID mm-hmm. is much better. 
and document that trip and tell the story about what you're doing over there back where your family's from. Because I think it's so important that not only do we live our lives and do our things here, but if you have heritage somewhere else and you can go back and take that intelligence and excitement and energy and passion back to that place and do something, I think that would be incredible. And I would love to document that and do a feature on it. What do you think? Dude, I'm down. I'm definitely okay. down. <laughs> It'll be a while before I go to India next, but if That's I do, okay. I'll definitely hit you up. <laughs> That's all right. Well, you let me know. But in the meantime, let's let's hit these taco spots. Oh, yeah. Oh, and, yeah. and we'll catch up there. This has been awesome. Justin, man, thank you so much for the time. Uh, I've learned a lot about your world. And Kyle, thank you for, for bringing him to our show today. And it's just, just a great time to do this. So it's Justin Varghese with Shot Call. Where can they find you and, and find your company? Yeah, you can find me at jvarg1990 on every social platform. I'm definitely most active on Twitter and LinkedIn, respectively. So feel free to connect with me there. Uh, And you can learn more about ShotCall at shotcall.gg. It's uh, totally free to use and free to get started. So it's there's no better time to, to jump in and start gaming and start building real relationships with your community. Love it. Love it. We'll be looking for you, Justin, there and talking again, I'm sure. You want to say something, Kyle? No, man, I was going to say, great episode. Justin, we appreciate having you on, man. As a lot of good stuff, as always. Thanks Absolutely. for having me. It was a ton yeah, of fun. Yeah, Kyle, thanks to you. And I want to also give a shout out to Sia and Aaron at Innovation Calling. They are our partners who help put these podcasts together. So if you're looking for a place to do that, contact Innovation Calling, man. They are awesome. They take care of us uh, across the entire platform and just do a great job. Don't forget to hit all the websites, uh, esportsfutureye.com. Of course, find us on Twitter and Facebook. And we are rolling. It's another edition of All In With Esports. We'll catch you on the next one. Take care, everybody. Be safe. Talk to you soon. Thanks for listening to All In With Esports. Please remember to subscribe to your favorite podcast channel, and we would love to hear from you about this or other shows on the Esports Future Eye Network.